switching gears now and taking you to a news story. As a matter of fact, it's all part of a two-part investigation done by our great TV station WLBT in Jackson, Missouri. Excuse me, Jackson, Mississippi. A Mississippi tax assessor arrested for DUI and also charged with rape. Uh, my intrepid producer and our chief meteorologist here at Local News Live is now joined by the investigative reporter behind all of it from our great TV station WLBT. I'm going to take you out to Clay right now. Clay, tell us more. But now joining me is the uh, reporter that worked on that, investigative reporter C.J. Lamaster uh, out of WLBT in Jackson, Mississippi. C.J., thank you so much for joining us. Uh, quite a story out there. Clay, it was wild. It, just from, from what we had first heard about it to what we've even been able to find out now, I feel like I was surprised so many times along the way as we were you know, trying to research and put this story together. So tell me a little bit about kind of how it all got started here. Um, I mean, you know, we, we see the body cam footage of some of that in your story. How did this all come to light, first of all, and kind of get your attention to start investigating this? So we actually, the, the story goes, and we didn't know anything about the DUI arrest at the beginning. So all we knew was about this rape charge. And even then, it was one of those situations where uh, we found out about it almost, I wouldn't say by accident, but there was a, a local blogger, there was uh, someone else uh, with a, another news organization that had come across in the Rankin County Jail, which Rankin County is just, you know, a hop, skip, and a jump away from where we are in the capital city in Jackson, and found John Sullivan listed on the docket in there as if he had been processed, arrested, and the arresting agency was the attorney general's office. The charge was rape, and so that in and of itself is, is pretty just crazy anyway because you have an elected official charged with a violent felony. Uh, the AG's office had never said anything about it publicly, still has not released anything to the public about the arrest. And so right away we're thinking, okay, well, how can we get more information? What is there more to the story? And then we learned about a DUI arrest that happened and we didn't know the time frame of that DUI arrest relative to the rape charge. And so the minute that I found out about the DUI arrest, I thought, well, okay, there's gotta be dash camera video. The police department in question uh, also had body cameras. Can we get that? Is there any other footage inside the facility that we can get that might help at least show us who this person is? Because I'll be honest with you, I've been working here almost a decade. I've never interviewed uh, Mr. Sullivan, have never had any, any run-ins with him or anything like that. Uh, I, I knew of him because we kind of were familiar with the elected officials in our area. And so once we got that footage, that DUI footage, then we started seeing a picture of someone who uh, could not control their alcohol intake and uh, was just saying a lot of things that they probably shouldn't have said, uh, you know, while these cameras were rolling. And the thing that was probably most surprising was the body camera footage when it looks, when the officer, Sean Walters, goes to the vehicle and you see, even though we blurred the face, uh, of, there were five people inside that truck, three of whom were under the age of 21, which is the drinking age in Mississippi. Uh, two were 20, one was 19. And so you have a 52-year-old man, elected official, at two in the morning, with people in his vehicle, all six of them cannot drive. They're too drunk to really drive. What are they doing? What's going on? Right. 
And, uh, you know, one of the things that stood out to me, CJ, was uh, right off the top of this story that we're getting ready to run, uh, which is part one of your investigation. Uh, you can kind of tell something's immediately wrong whenever uh, it appears uh, Mr. Sullivan says, uh, the officer asked him, would you have to drink? And his response was Tito's and vodka. And I was thinking to myself, well, that's kind of the same thing. So you can obviously tell that, that he's a, a little confused and p perhaps even intoxicated there. So uh, we're going to go ahead and play part one of your investigation, and we're going to come back to you uh, here for reaction. And uh, Nick, just so you know, I have this on my end, so we'll roll that from over here. We had anything to drink tonight? Yes, sir. What we have? Uh, I want to say four uh, Tito's and vodka. Four Tito's and vodka. You thought it was a good idea to drive? I had uh, three uh, vodka and Red Bull. What seems like an uneventful traffic stop for driving under the influence quickly takes a turn when Byron police officer Sean Walters goes to check on the other people inside the Ford F-150 he stopped. It's March 26th, just after 2 a.m. on Sywell Road. In the front passenger seat is a young woman. How old are you? Nobody says a word. How old are you? Like, for real, how old are y'all? Officer Walters then turns his focus to the driver, Rankin County tax assessor John Sullivan. Sullivan doesn't know their ages either. In fact, he doesn't even know them all. I know some of them. I'm telling you, if I pull every one of them out and, and they're underage... I know... I, I don't know how old they are. I, I swear to God, I don't know how old they are. Somebody's looking at a charge of contributing to a delinquency of minors. No, I, I didn't give them nothing. I swear to God, I didn't give him nothing. Sullivan said the group had come from Reed Pierce's earlier, now known as Dockery Grill on Sywell Road. His breathalyzer reading that night, 0.19, more than twice the legal limit. After officers took him back to the police station, he blew again. Documents show his BAC actually went up to 0.21. If he had left the establishment, say, 150 and just finished his drink, his level is still on the rise. It hasn't even begun to come back down. The handheld breathalyzer. Byron Police Chief David Arrington says his officers also determined Sullivan's five passengers were under the influence too. Three of the women were under 21. Two were 20 years old, one was 19. Early that morning, the department released Sullivan on his own recognizance and impounded his truck. Within hours of that arrest, state investigators showed up to pay Arrington a visit. The Attorney General's investigator was here at the police department requesting our reports from Saturday night. They were wanting the DUI report and any incident reports revolving in this case. And that's unusual anyway, right? I mean, just... Yes, um, because at the time, I mean, we didn't really know who John Sullivan was. Um, you know, we're, we're in Hines County, and he's a public official in Rankin County. Arrington says agents also asked for camera footage, including the footage we obtained for this investigation. We were under the impression that he was he was arrested for DUI, and he's in a, in public office. At first notice, that that's what the AG's office was investigating. Ten days later, the AG's office arrested Sullivan and charged him with rape. News of his arrest by the AG's office began trickling out, not from an official release by the agency, but after someone noticed his booking in the Rankin County Jail under the radar. When the charge came out, 
We figured it may have something to do with the people that's in the tr truck with him that night. This incident report from the Rankin County Sheriff's Office, obtained exclusively by Three on Your Side from the AG, shows the alleged rape happened less than two hours after Byram Police released Sullivan. The 19-year-old victim told the dispatcher it happened at Sullivan's home off Ridgeview and drinking was involved. The specific statute listed on the charge backs that up. Sullivan's accused of giving that person a substance or liquid that prevented them from resisting. There's a lot of coincidences without us knowing and having access to the full investigation conducted by the Attorney General's office. There are some questions that, that need to be answered. So, CJ, that was just part one of the investigation. Tell me kind of what you took away from that first part of your investigation uh, as we move into part two. So, like you said, when you introduced it, you could tell from the very beginning that he did not know what he was talking about. He not only got the number of drinks he had wrong, he also said Tito's and vodka, and he's not meaning double vodka. He literally just, at that point, was, was having trouble putting those words together. And uh, one thing that we didn't use in that story was the guy said, uh, so, so was that just now? He goes, no, 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 uh, I, that was earlier. That was earlier. Mm. Well, you heard Chief Harrington say, the reason why, uh, you know, the indication that he had just stopped drinking is because that BAC continued to go up even once he got back to the station and they had that intoxilizer. This, to me, sets up, and some of this was a little bit of a housekeeping, too, because anytime an elected official gets caught up in the law, gets arrested, does something wrong, is accused of doing something wrong, there's those there are those eyeballs looking at us saying, okay, you guys aren't doing something on this. Are you guys trying to help them out. And, you know, I gladly, it doesn't matter who it is in Mississippi, if they're an elected official, they're not doing something wrong, we need to hear about it. And, and secondly, we had to let people know, hey, you know, we're just going off of what we knew. And what we knew was just that somebody discovered he had been arrested on accident. Here's what we're learning now. And on its face, a DUI first offense misdemeanor, it's a misdemeanor in Mississippi, it's not a felony. Right. It's not necessarily that unusual. I mean, that's going to happen when you have a lot of counties, a lot of cities that, that serve alcohol. The difference is, again, that he had those girls. He didn't even know who was in his vehicle. He didn't even know their ages. But he could clearly tell the officers he didn't, nothing that he did caused them to drink, and he had nothing to do with that. So it was very much um, a lot of, of back and forth. And you could just see in the, the body language. I mean, it, 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 we don't have him in the video trying to walk a straight line, but you could tell that there was definitely uh, something there that was off. And uh, we, we didn't know until, and he, he wasn't even, he was very, I'm not trying to allude too much to part two, sure. but in that he's very respectful. He's very, oh, I didn't do anything. I, I, you know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know those people. When he gets comfortable and he gets back in the booking, that's when you start to see this other side and you see him laughing and you see other things that he says that are just frankly outrageous. It, and as mentioned earlier, we did run this two-part series a little while ago, and that was certainly one of the things that I took away as well is, and, and again, I don't want to give it away because we're getting ready to run it, but yeah, there's definitely a demeanor change. Uh, and CJ, of course, we, we, we kind of focused a lot on the DUI in part one, but, you know, and we're, we're also talking about the rape charges too. Um, and so, you know, I, I think part two really dives into that. And I, I know part of your online article just goes into the, the mindset set that uh, Mr. Sullivan was in, perhaps, uh, while all of this was going on. Anything you wanted to add before we play part two? 
I would just say, I mean, like I said, the, the body language says so much, but the guy is laughing. And I know that somebody else uh, had, had watched it when we were previewing it before it aired last night. And they said, well, it seems a little weird that the officer is laughing. Hmm. That's not so weird to me because in talking with detectives and talking with investigators, whenever they get somebody in there who is accused of something, and you got to keep in mind, they don't know what else this guy may have done. They just know what they stopped him on. And so you're thinking, okay, well, they want to get buddy-buddy with him. They want to kind of relate to him. You see a little bit of that in there. I think I take away some of his his laughter as him just trying to maybe uh, befriend the guy and maybe learn more information if there's anything else going on. But the other part of that too is there are a couple of times and not to give it away where it, it seems like the officer was trying to make a concession uh, to Mr. Sullivan. And again, the optics of that just don't look good at all when you have an elected official that's in custody, even if it's not in that county where you know he lives or where he is been elected. Absolutely. All right, CJ LeMaster, this is part two of his investigation into uh, Mr. Sullivan, the uh, tax assessor that has been arrested for DUI and charged with rape as well. I'm a grown ass man. Three on your side reviewed dash cam and body cam footage during John Sullivan's DUI arrest to try and answer questions about what happened that night. But this surveillance video taken during Sullivan's booking showed just how chatty he was two hours before he would be accused of rape. More than once, Sullivan made reference to having sex in a hot tub, even involving the people inside his truck that night. He also called himself a professional drunk and mentioned other law enforcement officers, including an elected official, to try and get out of that DUI arrest. I'll text Bean Scott, I'll text Brian Bailey. I know that don't mean to you. No, 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 no. I'm just telling you, I, it says that this is bad, and uh, it just is what it is, and I'm guilty. Sullivan pleaded guilty to DUI first offense and paid an extra fee to have it non-adjudicated, meaning it won't go on his record. In all, he paid more than $1,700. A judge also ordered his license restricted and had an interlock placed on his vehicle. During his booking, Sullivan's attempts to get out of that arrest failed, but at one point, Byron police officer Sean Walters did offer him something. I will send an email up there so your name doesn't end up in the uh, Facebook release. We checked the department's Facebook page. Sullivan's name wasn't mentioned at all. But Byron Police Chief David Arrington says Sullivan's arrest wasn't included in their Facebook post because at that point his arrest was part of an ongoing AG investigation. His officers also couldn't charge Sullivan with getting his three minor passengers drunk because they couldn't prove it. But those same passengers told investigators they got their drinks from Dockery Grill. We conducted an undercover operation at Dockery Grill and we utilized two juvenile females in an attempt to purchase alcohol from the bartender. Byron police then arrested and charged the bartender, Joshua Burks, with contributing to the delinquency of a minor. It's unclear if Burks remains employed at that business. Sullivan, meanwhile, remains behind his desk as tax assessor. People at home are going to wonder why Mr. Sullivan is still working when he's had DUI and rape charges against him from two different agencies. Yes. The Board of Supervisors don't have a role to play in that until certain preconditions have been met under the statutes that address a vacancy in office. Board Attorney Craig Slay says Rankin County Supervisors can't put Sullivan on suspension or administrative leave from his position because Sullivan was duly elected. That is not in the control of my Board of Supervisors. Right. It's going to be totally up to John uh, to decide how he wants to handle or navigate that. Slay says the only person who could put Sullivan on leave for these charges 
is Sullivan himself. But he hasn't done that. He also hasn't answered our questions about these criminal charges. Instead, Sullivan referred us to his lawyer, so we showed up at the tax assessor's office. Hey, uh, I'm here to see John Sullivan. He is out of town. Okay. He's at the tax assessor's conference. Kerry Shepard told us Sullivan and his second-in-command were both at that conference in Biloxi this week. Sullivan's lawyer, Merida Coxwell, declined to comment on the case. No, it's dark. Meanwhile, Arrington maintains his officers did everything by the book, saying most people arrested on first offense DUI are released on their own recognizance unless they have warrants or other charges pending. But something still haunts them about that whole situation. Is it possible that one of the females that we encountered could be a victim shortly after he was released from the Byron Police Department? I do not know if that's the case. Um, we have not, you know, seen the attorney general's office investigation but i will say that that concern did cross my mind and still does one more thing sullivan has never publicly addressed these charges but during his booking in byram he did address his future in office i'll send an email to my chief and ask him about to release your information i appreciate that that way it doesn't look you know like what he's saying it's going to look bad but i mean let's you ain't gonna catch me again. Uh, that was kind of something that I, I, I I'm still struggling with that particular line there, CJ. Is he is he saying that he's just he's gonna get his act together, or is he saying you're literally not gonna ever catch me again? It's it, that that was something that kind of stood out to me as a question. Well, the latter certainly isn't true because just a few hours after, uh, and not even a few hours, but just you know less than two hours after he was released from the Byram Police Department, then of course that 911 call comes into Rankin County about this uh, rape allegation. So yeah, it, it, it wasn't much longer before he found himself again embroiled in a criminal investigation. But the thing to remember, I think too, is that he, the body language here the confidence he displays in there and saying these things, and one could argue, well, that's just because he's under the influence. Mm. But it does seem to suggest that this may be the first time he's gotten caught, but it may not be the first time that, I mean, he said he was a professional drunk. He said he was a professional alcoholic. Mm. And there's a part that I did not put in the story uh, where he said, uh, I'm, I'm a professional uh, drunk, probably an alcoholic. And Walters says, well, you know, we can get you help for that. We can we can help you out. I'm good. Right. So he, you know, he understands that he has a problem where this is concerned. He just hasn't gotten caught. And we don't know. Uh, this happened in Hines County. He lives in Rankin County, uh, you know, as far as whether or not he has a history of uh, anything uh, in Rankin County. We don't know. We're looking into that. Uh, but I can tell you that the biggest takeaway for me for this was just uh, the brazen nature of just some of the things that he was talking about. It, it just, uh, you know, you're calling the people you were just riding with, um, you know, whores. Right. I mean, that's that's incredible that somebody would be that brutally honest with a law enforcement officer just sitting right there after they had already blown a point two one. It, it seems, and again, just kind of going back to his confidence level, it, it almost seems as if he thinks... I'm a tax assessor, I've got some connections, this is gonna be okay kind of thing. I mean, it, it kind of came off that way, right? 
Yeah, he he name dropped uh, not just the Rankin County Sheriff. He name dropped the Pearl Police Chief. Pearl is one of our bedroom communities outside of Jackson, probably about 15, 20 minutes away from from uh, where he lives. And he also said uh, we didn't have this in the report, but he also said uh, mentioned he name dropped his brother who is uh, Pat Sullivan, who is a mayor of Richland, which is not far from us either, another bedroom community, so another connection. Uh, none of those, again, seem to hold water. And so people would, I saw some of the Facebook comments, people were saying, well, I don't understand why he was released on his own recognizance. Well, there's a couple of things there. One, it's first offense to UI, uh, misdemeanor in Mississippi. Uh, in most cases, unless they have pending charges as the chief, and, and as we said, uh, they, they let that person go. They will even let them drive their own vehicle if, or let their vehicle go if somebody with them is sober. The fact that his vehicle was impounded, which we said, I think, in the first part, shows that nobody with him was uh, was able to drive. Somebody picked all of them up, and from there, we don't know where the evening ended. We just know what the report says. Uh, he's got about 100 acres out in the county uh, where this allegedly took place, according to the caller. And, uh, you know, at, at this point, we don't know... Uh, anything else we just uh the, the the victim has not come forward um i i rest assured the ag's office is, is is looking into this very seriously but the other part of that that's probably shocking is that you know elected officials can basically i don't say what they do what they want but there's nobody to say hey you're on administrative leave you're on suspension you're you know going to be reprimanded for this and he's his own boss and that's kind of, that was one of my questions that I had is, so as, as of this moment, uh, now he's obviously under investigation for another criminal uh, offense. So is he still technically uh, not on administrative leave? He never was. So he, he's always been, he, he never, uh, to my knowledge, uh, never took a day off. <clears throat> Excuse me. When I talked to the board attorney, Craig Slate, he said, you know, very quickly, there's nothing we can do about that. That has to be up to John. John has to make that decision. <clears throat> I apologize. Oh, no, it's okay. But he, the, the, the interesting thing about that is that, you know, in, again, in Mississippi, uh, state law says that if you have a, if you're found guilty or you plead guilty, convicted of a felony other than manslaughter, which is probably a separate statute for that, uh, you're removed from office immediately. It, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. If uh, the only other way to really remove someone from office is to go through uh, the petition process and you have to have a certain percentage of uh, the electorate in that area. And then, of course, at some point, I believe it goes to the governor. There, it is a convoluted process. And from what I've understood from talking to legal experts, it's convoluted for a reason because it, it needs to be difficult for the public to be able to do that so that it's not just done haphazardly sure. uh, in the state. So that's the only real path forward. I don't know uh, what's going to happen in the you know year and 10 months that he has left in the job. I can tell you that what we found, um, and, and somebody asked this, they said, well, why is the AG's office even involved? They were kind of wondering that. Right. So uh, it happened in Florence, which is a, a small town in Rankin County. When Rankin County got the dispatch call, uh, it was within hours that the decision was made by the sheriff, Brian Bailey, to call the AG's office in because it's another Rankin County elected official. We talked to him on the phone about it. He said, look, there's really no way that uh, a sheriff can win in that situation. You can't, there's a perception of bias 
regardless of where, where the investigation goes. Uh, it either looks like you're siding with him or you're out to get him. Mm. And so Sheriff Bailey said, well, we, you know, we just passed it off to an independent agency, just like you do with an officer-involved shooting. Right. You bring an independent agency in to come work it, then there's no perception of bias, uh, and that's the best thing that could have happened in this situation. So, uh, you know, that's one of the things, too, is, you know, because of that, there's probably a lot more information that we probably could have gotten from investigators locally that we're not going to be able to get now because you have a state agency involved. But certainly uh, the hope and expectation is that it will be a very thorough investigation. And if there uh, is a history of this or if there are other things that we weren't privy to uh, from our investigation, that we hope that it will come out soon and the public will be able to see it. Because frankly, I almost feel like it's heightened uh, if this happens to somebody, uh, just uh, John Smith, then certainly you want people to know about it. When it's an elected official, I feel like it's even more pertinent that people need to know what's going on. And that's part of the reason why we felt like this was, from the very beginning, we had to get this out there because people deserve to know. The, you know, it doesn't happen in most cases, but sometimes the people that you elect um, in some ways live very different lives than what we think they are living. CJ, my last question uh, that I have for you here is uh, basically, what's next? Um, we have some court uh, appearances coming up and things like that? Well, so at this point, we really don't know uh, what's next on the court side. Uh, we don't have any documentation that shows uh, any of this being filed. I, I, would, I would think that a grand jury indictment uh, would likely come at some point. Uh, I don't know if that process has started. Uh, they may still be in the investigation phase. You have to think, of, you know, in terms of uh, when this happened. It happened on the 26th of March. He was arrested on April 5th. Uh, and then now here we are three months later. We would expect to hear something at some point. Uh, the last time that we checked with the AG's office, they said that they could not comment on uh, or even confirm whether or not they were investigating. The fact that they released documents to us uh, through public records requests uh, shows that they have these documents in their possession, which shows that they're investigating. Right. But we don't have anything outside of that. Certainly, follow-ups will be, uh, you know, as this goes through the court system. Uh, also, too, uh, whether or not other people, you know, come forward to kind of give some perspective about what happened that night. Uh, and certainly, we welcome that. Uh, you know, anybody that wants to reach out to us can certainly do so on Facebook um, and that kind of thing. Uh, it, it's it's invaluable that we have. Uh, people out there who who know that things like this are happening, and sometimes it's so incredibly frustrating uh, when you know they don't they turn on the news and they don't see it. And they're like, well, wait a minute, what's going on? I know this is happening in my county, or I know this is going on. Uh, it, reach out to us. Let us start digging. It sometimes takes us a while to be able to get it because we have to make sure our eyes are dotted and our T's are crossed. But certainly, we want to make sure that we shine a light in these situations where, unfortunately. We, we had no idea uh, the, the depth of any of this. I mean, we found out, honestly, the time frame between the DUI arrest and the rape charge, we didn't find that out, or the allegation of rape, I should say, until a week before the story aired. I got that document from the AG's office, which was a sheriff's office incident report, and that was the first time we knew it was even on the same day, and much less, you know, within, within a couple of hours, which shows that uh, we, we saw where he was mentally before that happened. Absolutely. 
Just so you know, in case you're just now tuning in, uh, you will be able to rewind this and watch this whole live report on Facebook. But we are joined by C.J. LeMaster from WLBT out of Jackson, Mississippi. That's our great television station there in Jackson, Mississippi. Worked on a two-part series of uh, tax assessor Jonathan uh, Sullivan, who was arrested for DUI and uh, later charged with rape. And he was just breaking down that whole story. C.J., we greatly appreciate your time today. I know you're a busy guy because you're working on a story for today as well. So I've, I think I've taken up way too much of your time to begin with but hey we certainly appreciate you joining us today no no it's fine it, it really is and i, I want to add one one other thing if i could just real yeah quick, absolutely uh, uh, clay and again uh, just just to give a little perspective so uh the playing devil's advocate so if he was able to be put on if he put himself on administrative leave um the board attorney craig slay said something interesting to me uh during our interview and he said you know the way the statute is written Somebody can also be removed from office if they are basically being in uh, dereliction of their duty. They're not performing the, the job duties that are associated with what they're doing because they're being paid taxpayer dollars and they're not doing that. So in effect, if he was to put himself on administrative leave, the irony is that there could be a very real chance of him being removed because if he's sitting at home when he should be performing the duties of the tax assessor, mm. He's not performing his duty from a statute, uh, from a Mississippi statutes uh, standpoint. Very, that's a very good point, actually. Uh, and so, yeah, so maybe this uh, saga is not quite over. I think it's far from over. In fact, as I'm sure we're we're waiting to learn more information each day. So, CJ, again, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Uh, and of course, uh, as as I just mentioned, you can certainly go back and watch this if you are just tuning in on the tail end of this report. Uh, but CJ, we're going to let you get back to it there. As again, I know you're working on a daily assignment for today as well. Thanks again. Thank you, Clay. All right, Nick, so there you have it, uh, uh, the full breakdown there of uh, this story that we've been running. It is one of our top stories here at Local News Live today. A Mississippi tax assessor has been uh, arrested for DUI. There's a two-part series or a two-part investigation on that. Now has been accused and charged with rape. And, uh, of course, we will continue to follow that uh, here at Local News Live. And WLBT and C.J. LeMaster will continue to very closely follow this story. Nick, we'll toss it back to you in the local, new live, local, local news live headquarters.